Balls. Balls, a supernatural <laughs> podcast. Hi, Liz. Oh, shit. <laughs> I got to do that again. <laughs> Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy. Hi, Liz. Hey, Miss. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I wore my platy plaid for you. I like it. It's very uh, seasonal. Yes, I was going for my Sam look. Oh, <laughs> I just have stripes on today. There's nothing wrong with stripes. No. I live life's in stripes. I, just, I mean, it's like, it's like half a plaid. plaid. Yeah, it is half, like a, half plaid. a plaid. I'm, I'm horizontal plaid, just not vertical. Yeah. I got, I'm a halfie. I, I live my life in stripes, but I party in plaid. <laughs> that kind of makes it sound like you're in jail. You live your life in stripes. Touche, touche. <laughs> Uh, I'm neither in jail nor going, so uh, glad I was going that. more like with like the Tim Burton black and white stripes. I live my life in those. So but I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that your Christmas wasn't so rowdy that you got sent to jail. No, I didn't. I didn't uh, get too lit. <laughs> like Not the too Christmas lit. Tree. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Bringing it back around. I didn't slay any demons or gods yet during the Yule solstice, and well, that's. Very nice of you. That's considerate because, you know, they have holidays, too. That's true. And now we are only a few days away from a brand new year. So bah, that's the sound of me kicking 2020 on out of here. Kick it right in the butt. Kick it right in its stupid face. Oh, man. Uh, so we hope everybody who's listening right now had a happy holiday. And we're glad you guys are back listening to us right now. Welcome back, friends. And now we're looking towards the horizon to 2021. Oh, dear Chuck, please make it be a good year. I really hope Chuck isn't <laughs> writing this shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> screw that. God, please let it be. Who could you even, like, at this point I'll take Crowley writing my storylines. Jeez. Dear Rowena, can you please use some magic? At least maybe he'd give me, like, an option D. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, we'll get, we'll get to him later. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know who we're talking about because you're just brand new to this series, which if you are, awesome, welcome. This is a wonderful series. We hope you stay tuned through the 15 seasons there are, but don't get deterred yet. It goes by fast, and it's very addicting. I mean, we're already on season three. We are. Today, in fact, we are on season oh. three, episode six. <laughs> Obviously, due to the holiday season, uh, we pre-recorded this episode, so I'm... You're not supposed to tell them that, that because they're, they're going to want to hear us banter about Christmas, and I don't know we apologize. Goes, and I don't know how my Christmas is going to go. All I know is I don't work it, and you don't work it, so we're going to go and be like, hey, we had a great Christmas. We hope you guys had a wonderful holiday, and uh, here's to a happy and healthy new year. Yes, Indeed. I don't want to. I don't want to say the thing that everybody says, like you know, it really can't, because that usually jinxes us and screws us. So let's just keep a a positive outlook on what 2020 could be. All right. So if you're just tuning in, we are Balls, a supernatural podcast, uh, ready for your new year, and we got some exciting things going on in the new year to touch some bases. Uh, we are hosting a Hunter Happy Hour, January 14th where we will post a cocktail recipe, potentially a mocktail recipe, and maybe a snacky snack. Nickety snacks. For you guys to join in and kind of just like talk about supernatural things, doing supernatural stuff, um, as well as uh, working on a logo, some Patreon stuff, and a potential newsletter, and the website, and there's a lot of stuff happening. So guys, stay tuned. Keep sharing us. Talking to your friends about us. We love you. So we do. For, yes. 2020 year, 2020 year, 2021 is going to be the year of the balls, I believe. Yes. <laughs> did you see what I did? <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, yes. The balls. Grab the year by the cojones. All right. Speaking of cojones. Did you see me let's... looking around? I lost my pen somewhere. I thought you were looking for your balls. No. Uh, those I don't have. <laughs> oh, so. man. Uh, let's swing on in to <laughs> what a sagu that was. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I'm queen of the sagus. Uh, season three, episode six, Red Sky at Morning. This aired November 8th, 
2007 and takes place in Sea Pines, Massachusetts. Classic New England. Classic. Good, good old New England. And this is such a New England type episode. Tiddly bit. Did you know this was the 50th episode of Supernatural? I did not. It is the 50th episode of Supernatural. All right. Not our 50th episode, though. We'll hit our 50th in the new year. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? Oh, I'll freak out when we hit 50. I'll freak out when we hit 500. Followers, not episodes. Whew. I mean, this series could get that far. But all right. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Let's just dive right into this episode, shall we? Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Hold on. <I'm> <laughs> Are you pulling up a synopsis? No, I'm trying to pull up what episode number we are right now. Oh, what we are. I was like, we're on episode six. Okay, so 42, 43, this would be our 44th. Okay, yeah, Ooh. so we will have in the new year. And the new year, 50. It's going to be wicked awesome in the new year. Oh, yeah. That was my New England, Massachusetts. That was beautiful. You're probably going to offend somebody. So I know, I apologize. do that again. <laughs> Just take that, put that right in the bag, and save it for later, but don't pull it back out. <laughs> if I ever need to do Yinzer, I could probably do that and somebody, not offend anyone because... <laughs> can somebody call Dorney Woolwork? I feel like I feel like Dawny's got it for us. Oh, can we, we don't get him on the show. No, we don't have the budget. <laughs> That's why we read the synopsis. <laughs> budget. That's not funny. not star of Blue Bloods, Donny Wahlberg. <laughs> okay, can we get Paul? Can Paul be on? Paul, Paul, maybe we can maybe get Paul to do it. Mark is out of the question. Oh, that's if you are getting Donny, there's no way you're getting Mark. No. <laughs> The closest we'll get to the Wahlbergs is literally a Wahlburger that we pay for. Exactly. We're going down there on uh, McKnight Road and getting us a Wahlburger. Yes. <laughs> or Robinson. There's one at Robinson? Hell yeah, there is. My dad's obsessed with Blue Bloods, so I made sure to take him to Wahlburgers. My dad is also a Blue Bloods fan. I like it too. I didn't think I would. I do like it also. But he's also a Mark Wahlberg fan. Like He likes all those movies. Oh, okay. I, the first thing that popped in my head was Italian Job. That's one of them. Transformers. But, but, but that's probably not like his biggest movie. And I'm like, the Italian Job. <laughs> I don't know. If you were to ask Mark Wahlberg, this is completely off subject because he never takes, he and Donnie are neither in an episode of Supernatural. So this is just like way down there. You know who is? Snooki. Hmm. Oh, just for future, Snooki is in an episode. She is. Uh, like, I don't know, The Departed, I feel like, would be up there, just for the yeah. cast alone. Uh, Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the younger generation would know him from Ted. What's the um, the Perfect Storm? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he, there's, like, The Perfect Storm, Spencer Confidential, which is hilarious. Uh, also has Liza Schlesinger, worth it. Shooter, Entourage. Well, he was a producer of Entourage. Yeah. Yeah, Transformers, Daddy's Home. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was an Entourage. Lone Survivor, Pain and Gain, Contraband, The Fighter, Max Payne, Shooter, which is my dad's favorite movie, uh, Invincible, Four Brothers, The Italian Job. Rockstar is up there for me. If you've never seen Rockstar, you definitely need to see Rockstar. Oh, so good. Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what he would consider the top of his. Definitely not Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, but who knows? Hey, that's where he started, so he better give... Some props to the Funky Bunch. Did he start there, or was it New Kids on the Block? No, Donnie was a New Kid. No, oh, Donnie the was a New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Mixing up my Wahlbergs. You can't do that. Can't can't mix up Wahlbergs. <laughs> All right. So okay. shall we get a synopsis for Supernatural <laughs> season three, episode six? Since I've said it eighteen times, it just gets more <laughs> random. <laughs> Red sky at morning. The longer we go on. Okay. In Sea Pines, Massachusetts, a woman sees a ghost ship in the harbor and mysteriously drowns in her shower later that night. Sam and Dean question the woman's aunt, Gertrude, who knows about the ghost ship and asks them if they are working with a woman named Alex. After the brothers leave, they are confronted by Bella. Using a pseudonym of Alex, she, quote-unquote, solved the case for Gertrude, who has withheld payment since the Winchesters arrived. More deaths occur that night, and the brothers realize that the ship is a death omen linked to the spirit of a sailor hanged for treason. The sailor's hand was crafted into a hand of glory. Bella suggests that they destroy it to stop the ghost ship using tickets provided by Gertrude. The trio attends a lavish function at the local maritime museum. 
Bella steals the hand but sneaks away from the brothers. She sells the hand to a client, which was her goal all along, but then she sees the ghost ship. With her death imminent, Bella turns to the Winchesters for help. They have discovered that the ship only targets people responsible for the death responsible for the deaths of family members, which Bella will not elaborate on. The three of them conduct a summoning ritual at the sailor's grave. The vengeful spirit is confronted by the captain who ordered his death and who also happens to be his brother. And then they both disappear. And we're left wondering, did that shit work? I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Bella lived, so sure. I was happy to see Bella, and I thought she was quite funny in this one because we get to see more of the dynamic between her and Dean, mm-hmm. which, I mean, he was already not dealing with her shit. Yeah, I like it. And this this episode I felt was funny in a different way, where it was still serious, but it had, like, that cringy funny. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we had brothers fighting about the Crossroads demon, because that's how we always start off an episode with them. Again! The road so far, <laughs> still bickering like a married couple. Uh, so in this one, <laughs> man, maybe it's just Sam who's like, Dean gets all the ladies and Sam just gets the creepy old ladies. That old lady? She was, man, she was putting that on thick. <laughs> oh, she was so into Sam. I mean, at one point she said they were going to have sex later. <laughs> when she leaves, when Bella takes her, she's like, he's so into me. Yes. <laughs> I just like the fact that at no point was Sam even remotely like, yeah, you're beautiful. He was making like the, oh, God, please don't touch me faces. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God, why do I have to do this? It was bad. How about Dean throwing a temper tantrum when his car is gone? Oh, a horrible tantrum. Where's my car? Where's my car? I'm going to shoot her myself. Someone stole my car. Yeah. Then he's like, can I shoot her? And Sam's like, not in public. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice uh, Dean's... <laughs> Are they dockers his green olive green pants yeah <laughs> they were like shining bright in the sunlight <laughs> with his mismatched sports coat it's like who dressed you today where did you I get all- those dockers i also liked how like matter of fact bella was she's like oh the car that was parked here oh yeah i had that shit towed yeah <laughs> like i called them <laughs> yeah and he's like but it was i paid the thing and she's like well not when i was done with it <laughs> she's like does it look like i care yeah, she's like, I'm walking away. Does Whatever. legality bo- like bother Bella Talbot at all? No. no. And man, she like, I want to know what her normal day is like. Because obviously she's going to all these places, getting all these haunted items, but also scamming old women by selling fake charms and doing seances. Yeah, she's a busy lady. What? She probably does more between eight between before eight a.m. than I do in a week. Like, I just, I don't know, does, does she do some hoodoo voodoo for, like, more than 24 hours in a day so she can make all that money? Also, what is she doing with all that money if she's getting oh. thousands and millions of dollars for these items? Girl, you don't need to work anymore in your life, but you're choosing to? Yeah, seriously, you sell, like, one cursed object for, like, a million bucks and she's still out there hustling. Mm-hmm. Come on, Bella. Take a break. I mean, she literally thanks the boys by giving them $10,000. Like, it's nothing. I know. She's like, here you go. Thanks for your help. Who does that? Bella. That's who does that. Like, oh my God. Here's your stack of five grand a piece, which Dean automatically just wants to go to uh, Atlantic City. Well, why would he not? Duh. He's had enough of drive through strip clubs inside of the road bars. He needs to go to that <laughs> Atlantic City, but not Vegas. <laughs> drive through <laughs> Were you out on 22 at the climax? <laughs> no but i just feel like at this point that's all sam and dean are doing and sam's just keeping his head down like why can't i have reception in this one place it's the one place my magic internet does not follow me the magic internet followed them to the house they were squatting in though it did you see all this stuff he had set up on the table like a router and everything Mm -hmm. there's probably like no power in the house but the magic internet is working i also like the fact that gert's just like trust you bitch but like not that far I want you to help me solve my niece's murder because that's what it was. It was a murder. She was out jogging and then she may have seen a ship, but like, that's kind of crazy talk. Uh, and then she died. Yeah. Uh, so uh, once you solve it, I will pay you, which is how I feel like it should be. Oh, yeah. Or at least like half up front and then the rest later. Like you never pay somebody first everything and then let them do it. She's seen those uh, scams on the TV. 
Mm-hmm. She's like, you're not going to fool me. I'm not giving you all my money up front. Stop payment on my checks. Hell no. Nah. What about the guy that um, drowned in the bathtub? Can we oh. talk about not walking over to the bathtub that just turned on and is full of black, creepy water? We don't do that. We, wonder we already talked about this with the table saw. Yeah. If something turns on and weird shit is happening, like, one, you didn't turn that water on, and it was a turn knob. Uh-uh. You heard it. You heard it turn on, and you still walked over. It's like the kid in the, the sec- was it the second episode with the boy in the lake? Yep. Sir, you don't walk over to that sink that was just clean water and is now clogged and dirty. No. We don't go over to these things and look in them. Especially, like, after seeing a ghost ship. Yeah. Like, that's not normal. No. And your brother died. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, that was the that was Well, the, the brother, I mean, Peter did die. But, yeah, Peter's that was the first brother, brother died first. Yeah. And then... They only find out about the ship because they both saw it, which is also interesting. Like, that spirit, maybe it's because he can only be in one place at one time. He's like, no, tonight I'm dedicating this to, uh... Yeah, but two birds, tomorrow, one stone. Tomorrow I'm coming after you, Peter. Yeah, but he, he, he couldn't killed, split his time. Yeah, so he killed the first brother and then went back for Peter. Yeah. And then we get to see the boys all kinds of gussied up. Ooh! Ooh! Dean looking all James Bond style. Sexy Dean and his tux. Oh, Bella, yeah. Bella liked that too. She was like, oh. She was probably just like, oh shit, he wears something more than a grease stained pair of jeans and some nappy ass plaid. Okay. You clean up nice, Dean Winchester. And that was for their night at the Maritime Museum while Sam enjoyed his evening with Gert. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. I thought that Sam would have also been like heavily drinking. He only down like that one thing of champagne that we saw, and Gertie was like messed up. <laughs> yeah, because I think Sam was really hoping that she was just gonna pass out, and then <laughs> Sam needed to like have his wits about him to sneak his ass out of there. Good point. Good. Point. Yeah. I mean, also with his size, he could probably down about four of those and maybe start to feel it. <laughs> He'd be fine. I wouldn't expect Sam to be a lightweight. But I do appreciate that we do see some kind of karma in this episode. I mean, I guess I feel like with Bella, karma kind of follows her. Yeah. Because she really wanted that rabbit's foot. Mm-hmm. And then they tricked her into catching it. Yeah. And then with this episode, she tricks Dean into giving the, the hand of glory, which ended up completely turning against her. Yeah. Also. I thought, though, like, if you didn't look at it, would you still die? <laughs> like, if she sensed it and, like, closed her eyes. She... Like the monster under the bed? Yeah. Would you still be marked for death then? Would you drown uh, in a car? I would think so, because the ship showed up to warn you. Okay. So I feel like whether or not you actually lay your eyes on it, the ship still showed up to mark you. Good point, good point. Which, by the way, like, oh, that hand of glory. No, thank you. Who keeps, what, why would you? In... I don't, I don't know. It's so gross. Mm. I do like the the brotherly moment we had at the end of this episode, because we opened the episode with two old ladies bickering. And we ended with two brothers coming together. In love. Yeah, because Dean's just like, look, I get it. I'm real sorry for everything that this, my decision has caused. And Sam's just like, it's okay, bro. I just, I want you to take care of yourself because I love you. Uh, but at the end, he was also kind of pissed because he's like, stop worrying about me. Yeah. Worry about yourself. So angsty that Sam is. He really is. He's got to get out of this teenage phase. I mean, he's like, what, 24 now? Like, come on. Come on, sir. I also like the fact that, like, Dean in this episode kind of, I don't know. I feel like they're, it's weird because Supernatural likes to give us people Dean is compatible with for different facets of his life. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we had Joe. Yeah. And Joe was kind of like that hunter aspect of his life who would support him, be able to survive in the business, understand where he's coming from. All that stuff. And then we get Bella. And I feel like Bella is like a weird match for Dean too. Because she matches him on wits. But she outsmarts him on everything. Whereas he's like the brawn. She's the brain. Mm -hmm. Because that one one interaction where we had of them. Where she's like you know when this is over we should really have angry sex. And he's like don't objectify me. But it took him a minute though. It did take him a minute. He like stood there and he's like wait huh what? Okay no wait a minute no. (laughs) We're not going to do that. No, and then you have Sam, who's just, like, completely appalled by everything Bella stands for. 
who's like, how do you sleep at night? And she's like, pretty easy on silk sheets rolling naked in money. money. (laughs) (laughs) And you know there was... You shot me. I barely grazed you. (laughs) And then there was that moment, you know, somewhere in in Dean's head, he's picturing that image. Oh, definitely. That definitely happened. I liked at the end, though, how they did the, the effect of the ghosts. When the one brother ran at the other brother and then just exploded in the thing of water. I thought that was I thought, pretty cool. I think they're, this is the episode where we're starting to see them get better yeah. at their special effects. Because this was far less cheesy. Even the ghost ship yeah. was far less cheesy. <laughs> far less cheesy than the, the demon smoke and the, the bees or the spiders. I feel like this also, I mean, obviously now knowing what happens, is a good little like tease at wanting you to want to know why Bella is the way she is. Oh, yeah. Because they hint at a bunch of things that you're like, wait, I want to know more about that. But wait, I want to know more about that. Yeah, because the thing was, is you had to be responsible for the death of a family member to see the ship. So what did she do? Mm-hmm. What happened? And then she, she makes that comment uh, when Dean kind of like asks her why she is the way that she is. She's like, daddy didn't love me or enough or daddy didn't give me hugs. Yeah, he said that to her, and she's like, did your daddy do that? Ooh, what could have happened? We'll Will find we out. find out? <laughs> uh, but it just kind of gives us, like, again, you can't always judge a book by its cover. Like, Bella didn't just choose that lifestyle. It just might be what she was stuck with. Because well, yeah, at one point, she says that she'll just go do it on her own like she's always done. Mm-hmm. Like when they pretty much, like, weren't going to help her, you know, not die again. Yep. It's the second time that they've saved her butt. It is the second time that they've saved her butt. But it's also kind of her fault. Oh, definitely her fault. Because she definitely puts herself in those situations. How did she come out unscathed all the other times when she didn't know the Winchesters? That's a good question. Maybe she isn't unscathed. Oh. Mm. No. <laughs> oh, my. All right. So anything else on this episode that stood out to you or that you want to talk about? Uh, Not really, no. Okie dokie. How about some tiddly bits? Got some bits of tiddly. Give us some knowledge bombs. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam refers to Ms. Case as Lady Haversham after the ball. This is a reference to Miss Haversham in the Charles, Char- Charlie's? Charlie's Angels Dickens? Ch- Charles I don't Dickens. think Charles Dickens was like really chilling with some angels. He could have been. He might be the original Charlie. Oh my gosh. He might be the original Charlie. <laughs> the Charles Dickens novel, Great Expectations, she was a wealthy elderly woman who never married after being left at the altar by a young, as a young woman, by a man who defrauded her. That's not nice. That is not nice. The title of this episode comes from a rhyme used by sailors to predict the weather, which we kind of said at the beginning. A red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Uh, Sam says, happy Purim to Dean in the beginning of the episode. Uh, Purim is a Jewish holiday that commemorates the saving of the Jewish people from Haman, who was planning to kill all the Jews. Uh, this takes took place in ancient Persian Empire. Purim? Purim? Did I say it right? I don't know, Purim? unfortunately. If somebody knows, please let us know. I feel bad. We don't, sorry. Wanna, we don't <laughs> want to be, like, missing this up. You so don't please, wanna, if you know, yeah. please let us know. We want uh, to pronounce it properly. I should have looked it up. I, didn't, I don't want to offend anyone. Oh, this is the second time Bella uses an American accent rather than an English accent when interviewing uh, the second victim's brother. You're um, on English accents and American <laughs> accents. Uh, Bella says that the sailor's body was cremated, but not before they cut off the hand to make a hand of glory. And a couple episodes ago, Liz actually talked about hand of glory. I know, and I was really happy that Supernatural kind of kept with that, that it's the hand of a hanged man who was tried for certain different reasons, obviously. In this case, it was treason, mm-hmm. and it's usually dried um, and sometimes turned into a candle and or pickled. Pickled, yes. As we found out. That's what I was just going to say. The hand of glory is a hand of a murderer removed while he is on the gallows and then pickled and dried, which is just gross. Uh, when used with candles made from the fat of a murderer uh, it was said to render people unable to move it was also said to be able to unlock a door thus making it useful for thieves if you remember in the episode two uh, i did mention that a lot of 
robbers would bring a hand of glory into the house to render the owners of the house into a coma, which they would never wake up from. Mm-hmm. Damn you, hand of glory. <sighs> you Why are you given such a glorious name for such a cruel use? You gross pickled hand. Ugh. And we come from a city where everything is pickled. Let's just throw that out there. We have a we have a pickle festival. I mean, I like pickles. I just don't want a pickled hand. I just don't want my hand pickled. Dried, yeah. maybe. Salted, sure. But like pickled, no. And then that's where I draw the line. Pickled cucumber, pickled uh, beets. Okay, cool. Pickled hand. Not pickled so hand of a hanged man. Nah. I'm good. Uh, when Sam summons the ghost of the capit capit capiton, <laughs> the captain of the Espiritu Santo, he calls on a bunch of names, one of which is Castiel, uh, the name of a character to appear in the fourth season, if you didn't already know that. And he says it pretty prominently, too. There's like two names before it, and then he's like, Castiel! I wonder if they pulled that before creating the character, because Castiel wasn't supposed to be a main character. Uh-uh. He was supposed to be a, a two-bit side character, but people loved him so much, as we found out with the fandom, because Misha is amazing. So much. <laughs> Uh, that him. they kept him. And he was um, so mad about auditioning with that voice. That voice, because he had to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people that like him more than the brothers. It's possible. I mean, now you have three to choose from instead of just two. I mean, obviously, you can narrow it down and be like, who's your favorite Winchester? Yeah. Well, uh, some people consider Castiel a Winchester. Mm-hmm. Some people even ship. Yes, we're not. <laughs> we are talking about ships. We are. It's a ghost ship. We're talking about ghost ships. We're not talking about okay, other okay. other ships. Okay. I want the people to like me. Okay. <laughs> continue. Uh, the name of the ghost ship is the Espiritu Santo, which ironically translates to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is also referenced to the Holy Trinity in the Christian faith. In nomine patri, it's really Espiritu Santi. Yes. All the victims are seen wearing blue before they are drowned, which I did not notice. I didn't notice that. Well, I mean, we also saw them at night, so I feel like it's hard to really differentiate blue. That's true. And the girl was, oh, I mean, she had a blue sports bra when she was running. I was like, she's naked when she died, so. Uh, and both Sam and Dean wear blue in the final seance, which also hard to see because it was nighttime and it was raining. But I guess they're wearing blue. Uh, the ghost ship shows up in salt water, despite salt being supposed to repel spirits. It's interesting. That makes sense, but that is weird. Why didn't they think that one? Okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's different for ghost ships. Is it really in the water? Is it floating above the water? I, you well, know. and that's the thing. Like, is the ship a ghost or is it the guy making the ship a ghost? Because that's what he knows as a warning. Yeah. That's what he's used to. So he's kind of warning him. And so many questions. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, like, then he's really not a ghost on the water he is like projecting right a ghost ship as a warning and then being a ghost mm, maybe uh twice the term screw you uh in my old form of f you uh, is uttered and several uh, bleh, bleh. i did so good the first episode <laughs> you were doing so you're we're still going so strong. we're still going i'm literally doing this with a dog on my lap i know she looks so cute it's not even the little dog. <laughs> <laughs> Tallahassee's taking it from here, people. <laughs> okay, so twice the term screw you, uh, a milder form of F you, is uttered. And several times, Sam and Dean use the word crap. Oh, crap. Apparently, new regulations for cussing on <laughs> primetime TV were released in June of 2007 so that they could get away with saying screw you and apparently crap. Oh, so they were just going for it. Oh, they were like, we're going to use it all. <laughs> If we can do it, we're doing it. Sam and Dean aren't nice. They're just, they're potty mouths. We need to show it. <laughs> they're like, finally, we can say these things. <laughs> Crap. Screw you. Just running around set yelling at each other that. Screw you. No, screw you. <laughs> Eric Kripke cited this episode as one of his least favorites of the series. Uh, inter- interviews he did into fans on the picket line during the writer's strike. Uh, even the pro- the prophet Chuck disparages it in season four, episode eighteen, the monster at the end of this book. And Sam, <laughs> I mean, it, I don't. Why does he not like it that much? I didn't think it was a bad episode. I mean, it's not like the bugs episode. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, it had moments. Hmm. Anyway, 
will will disagree agree to disagree with that. Uh, Sam and Dean squat in a house rather than stay in a motel for this episode. Uh, we also see them squat in a house in season one, episode eight. Bugs. You had to bring up the bugs again. You, you know you were bringing up the bugs, so you just. I think subconsciously, <laughs> I knew bugs was coming in somewhere. Uh, and my last little tiddly bit is a visual effects tiddly bit. Ooh. Uh, though the script of the Red Sky Morning described the confrontation between the ghostly sailors as, quote unquote, they collide into a swirling vortex that disappears. This is that cool effect. Oh, the, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kripke and Singer ultimately left the creative control up to the visual effects supervisor, Ivan Hayden. Uh, production filmed each element of the sequence separately, with the cemetery itself taking place at Heritage Park. A separate plate used uh, exploding water balloons shot at 1,000 frames per second. This high frame rate allowed them to use uh, for the use of slow motion. So then the layers were then compressed into a single sequence with the elements transforming into 3D models of the characters and the water after the initial collision. Wow. So it was multiple parts that they they filmed separately and then brought them all together into that cool, I'm running at you and we're colliding and then we burst into water. That's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty neat. Oh my goodness. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. Very cool. All right. So that was the last of your tiddly bits? My last tiddly bit. I, I saved the best for the last. All right. So I decided, since I had mentioned a decent amount about the Hand of Glory last time, uh, that this time I would actually focus on what the people saw, which is a ghost ship. Yay, and <laughs> because ghost ships really aren't proven, uh, there isn't too much history on them. So I'm actually going to talk about a couple of ghost ships awesome. and their stories. So as this kind of hints at, a ghost ship, also known as phantom ships, are ships that are abandoned ships found adrift, left under fearsome and cryptic circumstances. Sometimes seen as a bad omen, they will appear to sailors and materialize in the middle of the sea and quickly disappear, which foretells of something horrendous or terrible about to happen, which obviously they use in this episode. So the first ghost ship I'm going to talk about is the Mary Celeste. Ooh. Yes, and she is technically the most famous real-life ghost ship, and she was found adrift in the Atlantic Ocean December 5th, 1872, by British ship Dea Gracia. The Mary Celeste left New York Harbor on November 7th, 1872, with Captain Benjamin S. Briggs, his wife Sarah, and their two-year-old daughter Sophia, along with, depending on whatever you're reading it on, seven to eight crew members. And about 1,700 barrels of crude alcohol as their cargo. I mean, that's the happy Now, Captain ship. David Morehouse of the De Gracia allowed his crew to go aboard the Mary Celeste when he found it and found that no one was on board. However, all 1,700 barrel, uh, barrels of crude alcohol, as well as all of the crew's belongings... And about three and a half feet of salt water were sloshing around the belly of the ship. But six months supply of food had been remained untouched. And a couple of the ship's charts had been tossed about. But other than that, everything else looked normal. Minus the fact that there was no crew. The last ship's log entry was at 5 a.m. November 25th, 1872. So roughly 12 days or 11 days before it was even found. Now, the Dea Gracia got the okay to actually be able to tow the Mary Celeste, the 800 miles to Gibraltar, uh, where they allowed a salvage crew to go on and figure out how much they get paid. Because generally, if a ship was towing another ship to return, they would get paid in whatever damages or whatever they could have. Um, however, the crew of the Dea Gracia was actually only paid one-sixth of what they figured the total would have been, which was $46,000. Why? For the return of the Mary Celeste, because uh, they suspected the De Gracia of foul play, since no one really knows what happened. However, the speculations are that it could have been mutiny. Okay. Uh, from the De Gracia, that De Gracia came kind of came across the Mary Celeste and saw that there was only a crew of ten people total, uh, knowing that they could take over with the crude alcohol. So they thought they were up to no good. Yeah, and okay. obviously at the time, like I said, if a ship towed in and another ship with the entire crew missing, they would get paid the salvages. There's nothing been proven about that, but that's why they got paid the one-sixth. 
Uh, there's the rumor that there was a pirate attack. A pirate attack? Arr. An attack by a giant octopus. <laughs> yes, the Kraken. The Kraken got them. And the more believable rumor is that fumes from the alcohol gave off too much. I mean, they were carrying 1,700 barrels. You're saying that the Kraken is not a possibility? Uh, I'm saying it's a less possibility than the fumes from the alcohol. Um, because they found some of the windows actually cracked open as if airing the ship out. Oh, okay. And one of the rumors is that because of that, they actually caused everybody to leave the ship. Could have been so the Kraken could get in. It was so they could. Actually, it was to let the Kraken in. You, you're <laughs> correct. Um, I figured the Kraken was being nice to open a window. It's fine. But they believed that the crew had you know, gotten off the Mary Celeste, we're going to wait till it aired out and then got back on. But due to the waves had separated completely from the Mary Celeste and weren't actually able to get back on. Um, the other idea is that because of the fumes from the alcohol, they had to open the windows and the waters were so rough that it happened to slosh about. And people thought that because there was three and a half feet of salt water inside the ship when it was found, uh, that they might've thought that they were sinking and therefore abandoned ship as well. Okay. They were going down. Yep. Uh, so obviously, that is the story of the Mary Celeste. Another ghost ship, real life, is the Carol A. Daring. And she set sail August 22nd, 1920 from Norfolk, Virginia, with, cap with a captain and a 10-man crew, originally captained by William H. Merritt. He eventually got sick pretty early on, so he was actually replaced very hastily by Captain W.B. Warmel, who was not really as experienced as Merritt. Uh, now, the Carol A. Daring was bound for Rio de Janeiro with a cargo of coal, was spotted by Captain Jacobson of the Cape Lookout Lightship in North Carolina on January 29th, 1921, when he saw an unidentified crewman reported, report that they had lost their anchors. Now, on January 31st, C.P. Brady of the Cape Hatteras Coast Guard Station spotted the Carolee Daring with the sails still set, but lifeboats missing. Finally, due to heavy waters, they weren't able to reach the ship until February 4th, 1921, where they found all personal belongings, key navigational equipment, papers, and ship anchors and the crew all gone. Oh, wow. Everything. Everything gone. Now, the rumors and speculations as to what happened to the Carol Dang Daring and its crew are mutiny, um, that the crew might have not been happy with how Captain Warmel was running the ship and therefore overthrew it and left. Another theory is the Bolshevik sympathizing pirates attacking the ship, um, rum runners attacking the ship, and then the classic Bermuda Triangle. Oh, obviously. In that she entered the Bermuda Triangle and everything disappeared when she came out, I guess, including her, all her anchors. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, now, she was actually dynamited and scuttled back in March of 1921 because they were afraid that she would be a hazard to other ships. Oh. Now, my next ghost ship is the Jian Sang, which actually is a pretty prominently new ghost ship. I was going to say, I haven't heard of that ghost ship before. Uh, the Jiansang is a tanker of unknown origin. Nobody knows where it came from, where it set sail. There's no defining or identifiable marks on the ship, let alone a name, and was found with only rice as its cargo. Now, there was no distress signal ever given from this tanker, and there's actually only papers on board suggesting that its name is the Jiansang, and it was actually found by Australian Coast Watch off the coast of Australia in 2006. Wow. Yeah, so nobody knows anything about this ship just found floating with no one on it. That's creepy. Mm -hmm. That's super creepy. Then comes the MV Joyita. Now, MV stands for merchant vessel. So the Joyita is a merchant vessel of 25 passengers and crew, which set off for a two-day journey in the South Pacific in 1955. It was found by a rescue team and merchant ship, 600 miles from its original destination. No crew or cargo was on board. The only thing that they found onside the ship was a doctor's bag, some bloody bandages, and the radio tuned to the universal distress signal. Okay, now that's super creepy. <laughs> she was also found partially sunk leaning on her side. Oh, what? 
Yeah. So some potential things that people think happened to the Joyita is potential Soviet submariner kidnapping. Oh, shit. A Japanese fisherman or fisher vessel killing everyone on board. Oh, wow. Or the more likely culprit um, that a corroded pipe was actually leaking, causing flooding, which caused the ship to start partially sinking and the crew to abandon ship. And maybe the fact that the bloody bandages in the doctor's bag were that somebody got hurt on the pipe trying to stop it from leaking. Well, I hope that that is the case and not the other two. Right. Uh, So then we have the Octavius. And the Octavius in 1761 actually left the port of London with a crew of 28 set sail for China. They were able to make it to China, drop off their cargo, and since the weather was so nice, the captain of the ship thought that they could try and set sail through the Northwest Passage, which was very rarely used at the time by ships. She was actually declared lost when no one had heard from her for weeks. Then, October 11th of 1775. Now remember, she set sail in 1761. So October 11th, 1775, a whaling ship called Harold. Hey, Harold. Uh, a whaling ship named Harold was off the coast of Greenland and spotted a weather-beaten Octavius. So upon seeing it, they decided to board it and send a boarding crew party to find out what happened. So they ended up breaking through the ship's hull or the ship's hatch. Sorry, not the hull. They didn't break it through the, ha- the hatch. They ended up busting through the hull. <laughs> she, yeah, she didn't, they didn't bust through the hull. They uh, busted through the ship's hatch only to find all 28 crew members frozen to death in their quarters oh crap they found the captain frozen while still seated at his desk pen in hand log book open and a half-finished log entry from 1762 how does that happen that's so they also then whether it was documented or not as part of the crew found a woman and a child huddled together on a bunk frozen frozen so they believed and they completely left the entire vessel by itself Because they believed this whole thing to be cursed. Oh, you're like, we're out. Mm -hmm. They were like, oh, fuck this shit, we're out. We're not played enough for this. Uh, And it was never... my pay grade. I'm not not going back. It was never spotted again. (gasps) What? So they just left her floating. So whether she sank with the entire crew on board or she became a legendary ghost ship, she was never spotted again, but left floating on her and her own devices. Now, they believed, since the last log entry was off the coast of Alaska, they believed that the ship was actually imprisoned in ice and everybody froze to death that way. And then at some point, the ship became dislodged from the ice only to float along on her own. But how long do you have to be sitting there to freeze? So like essentially flash, like flash freeze. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I can see like everybody like laying like huddled in their bunks or whatever, but the dude at the desk, the captain at the desk with a pen in his hand, like how, I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. So the last two are the two heavy hitters that I wanted to mention. Uh, One being a real ghost ship and one being a legendary ghost ship. So the first one is going to be the Orangmadon, which if you listened to, uh, and that's why we drink, they actually talk about in an episode, the Orangmadon. I do listen. (laughs) You do? So you've heard of the Orangmadon. I have. Okay. So according to the story... The, Arang, the SS Morangmadan, which was a Dutch vessel, was passing through the Strait of Malacca and ended up sending out a distress call. And the distress call picked up by the two ships were as follows. All officers, including Captain Dead, lying in chart room and on bridge, probably whole crew dead. And then there was a whole frenzy of Morse code. And then the radio operator got one last little fragment, which was, I die. Whoa. And then radio silence. Uh, so they ended up searching out for the Aramadon, both of these things. Uh, the rescuers found the ship completely unharmed, but they found the entire crew, including the dog, dead, as the distress call had said, um, all with terrified faces and expressions, almost as if they had died of fear. <sighs> I mean, this whole this whole your whole part here is just like goose pimples. Ooh, <laughs> I look, oh, when ooh. I tell stories, yes. So they were frozen. In, they were frozen in a ghastly state um, where the dog was actually frozen in a mid growl, as if he didn't trust 
or know what was trying to attack him. Ooh. Now, the even crazier part about this is that just shortly after she was boarded to find the crew like this, the ship actually broke out in fire. Oh, whoa. Causing the people who were investigating to completely evacuate, only to have the ship explode with so much force that it actually kind of like jumped out of the water and then immediately sank. Whoa. Crazy, right? So crazy. Uh, so the ship's registry was never actually found um, because it was actually registered in Sumatra. And the ship's name actually translates to man from Medan or Medan with Medan being a Sumatran island. Little known fact. So they believe that what potentially happened, or at least to cause the fire, um, is that potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin, which were stored in the ship's hold, actually caused via a spark uh, to catch fire and immediately explode. Rumors had it that a pirate attack happened on the crew, but that didn't make sense because they weren't slain. They were just literally frozen in fear. Um, pirates. Completely, oh, just blame it on the pirate. Yeah, well, there was no complete wounds, so it wasn't like they were stabbed or shot. Now, uh, there's the potential that, obviously, dangerous gases were released from the cargo because nobody knows exactly what the ship was holding. Potentially killed them, kind of like carbon monoxide poisoning. And then, obviously... Another cursed idea is that it's supernatural, otherworldly. Um, some people actually blame aliens for it. That's a new one. Giant Kraken, I get. Alien? I don't know. Um, I think because of how they were in fear. I mean, it is the, it was the uh, around the 40s and the 50s, so like alien abductions was a kind of a big thing then. Yeah. Uh, so they were thinking that maybe that's what happened. Um, the main reason that they think that the ship sank as fast as it did uh, was that it was actually an overexposure of nitroglycerin, which then caught fire uh, because they were carrying it illegally. So maybe it was more of a karmic ending to the Orangmadon. Oh, okay. And finally, the last ship, well, uh, to touch on some couple of things, the ones that I didn't mention that are also pretty big heavy hitters are like the USS, the, uh, the SS Bechamo, which has also been mentioned on a bunch of different podcasts. And the Bechamo uh, was built in the 1920s and became trapped in ice near Alaska, sounding familiar, in 1931. So the Hudson Bay Company was actually forced to abandon the ship. However, uh, the ship then went on to be adrift for the next 38 years and was frequently seen floating off of the coast of Alaska. Weather conditions made it completely impossible to salvage being in the ice. But since 1969, it just has disappeared completely, still floating amongst the waters somewhere. Didn't they mention that on an episode of Ghost Adventures? They did. They were doing the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I won't go too much into detail is the Lady Lovabond, uh, which actually has uh, in its one little ghost ship tale stories of love, jealousy, and rage. All in one tale? Yes. So in 1748, the day before Valentine's Day, the lovely lady, uh, the lovely, the lady Lovabond. Do that again. <laughs> la, 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 la. The day before Valentine's Day, the lady Lovabond set a sail as a celebration of the ship's captain's wedding. However, the captain's friend was also in love with the bride and out of oh. vengeance steered the ship into the Goodwin Sands, sinking it and killing everybody on board. Well, if he couldn't have her, no one can. So, after that, the ship is seen sailing around Kent every 50 years. It was spotted in 1798, 1848, 1898, and 1948. Was that the last That was the last sighting, but all the times, this is actually, some boats have actually been sent out as the ship cannot be seen. Oh, ooh, um, ooh. Now, in 1998, there was not a confirmed spot or sighting of the ship. However, the ship still remains in legend. And the final ghost ship, and probably best known literal ghost ship, is the Flying Dutchman. Save the best for last. The Flying Dutchman was a sea captain who found himself struggling 
during a ferocious storm on the Cape of Good Hope and swore that he would even succeed on anything if he could just make it to Judgment Day. And the devil heard him, took him up on it, and the Dutchman was condemned to stay at sea forever. His only salvation was to find a woman to love him enough to declare herself faithful to the Dutchman for life no matter what. And on top of it, the Dutchman can only stop sailing once every seven years to go ashore and search for that one true love. So can you imagine being cursed by the devil because you're struggling and about to die? And the, the devil's like, yo, I got you on this, bro. Sail for the rest of your life. But I'll give you a chance to sail, to find salvation. Uh, once every seven years, you get one to one day, 24 hours, to search the, whatever island you're near <laughs> to find some lady to be like, yes, I will love you forever in one day. Now, does he go, does he get to be like a human? Like, does he go up, I guess, himself, like from that time? Or he's not like a creepy old ghost, is he? Well, if you go along the lines of things like Pirates of the Caribbean. That's exactly what I thought of. Whenever... Um, he and the ship and the crew are all part of the sea. Whereas if you watch like SpongeBob SquarePants, he's just a ghost. And it's just a ghost ship. <laughs> I love it. If you go by SpongeBob, this is, <laughs> this is what it is. Now, this ghost ship, the Flying Dutchman has had the most impact of any of the ghost ships, inspiring paintings, films, books, operas. Whereas, like, Van Der Decken, who is the captain, uh, with sheer determination, steers his ship through adverse conditions, again, on the Cape of Good Hope, fails miserably, and is vowed to drift forever till doomsday, um, but also not only just cursing him, but cursing his crew as well. Now, to this day, hundreds of fishermen and sailors have returned from deep sea life claiming to have witnessed the flying dutchman continuing on its never-ending voyage across the waters however most people see it as a bad omen that some kind of bad fortune is going to befall someone on the crew or the ship itself now descriptions of the dutchman vary over time let me see if i can find a couple i should have written this down but i did not how are you not prepared? You know, there were a lot of ghost ships that <laughs> I was looking at. So originating, because there's no, there hasn't been any real stories of the Flying Dutchman, uh, the stories seem to have originated in the 17th century when a lot of stories around the myth of the Flying Dutchman point to a cursed vessel, while some suggest the Dutchman refers to the captain of the ship. So the Flying Dutchman could be the captain, it could be the ship itself, uh, so we could be talking about a ghost captain or a ghost ship. It's kind of interchangeable. You can find him featured in Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, 1951, and Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Dead Man's, or Dead Man's Chestnut, Curse of the Black Pearl. Just mixing all the movies together. I mean, there uh, are a lot of them to choose from. Right. In 2006. Uh, the crazier part is that the Flying Dutchman has been around for at least four centuries. Wow. Because the myth started to emerge in the 1600s when the ghost vessel started to be reported off the, the coast of Cape of Good Hope. Um, but all these sightings happened when the weather was extremely stormy and the winds were really high. Um, and according to a lot of the stories that are orally told, hardly written down, uh, the ghost vessel came across as being caught up in the storm and almost completely colliding with the rocks before vanishing into the darkness. That being said, because of that, the Flying Dutchman is also seen as the harbinger of death and destruction for vessels who have sighted it. There have also been many letters and missives used to, um, from ships to pass on to other ships to report of the Flying Dutchman sightings to avoid those areas because that could be cursed. Um, however, the opening of the letters by the crew resulted in the ships getting destroyed and the crew partially uh, dying. Um, one of the main reports of the Flying Dutchman comes from the HMS Bichant, which was a British Royal Naval vessel in 1881. Prince George V was serving as a midshipman as part of the vessel's crew actually spotted the Flying Dutchman in the Australia waters around four o'clock in the morning. Um, while the prince didn't die, he was the first one to report the vessel he ended up meeting, he ended up dying after falling down from top mast. Wow. And this is actually recorded 
in the Admiral's official publications in the cruise of the HMS Deschamps. Um, there's another story about a British vessel coming near the Flying Dutchman and actually almost colliding on the night of a storm in 1835 when the vessel was approaching full mast, full sail, and then vanishing suddenly. And then the most recent one was in 1939 when a group of people in Cape Town on Glencarn Beach reported seeing the Flying Dutchman off the shore uh, during World War II. Um, reports said that a German submarine boat under the command of Nazi Admiral Karl Donitz sighted the Flying Dutchman during their voyage through the east of Suez, but those are all just reports, nothing actually set in stone. Um, a lot of people believe that the Flying Dutchman isn't actually a ghost at all, that it doesn't exactly exist. Uh, most people say that it's a natural optical phenomena, which occurs after moisture, moisture and atmospheric conditions combined with light resulting in a displaced image of distant objects. So basically it's a trick of the eye and the mind. And the phenomena can be seen at sea or on land, sometimes actually even in deserts. It's called the uh, Fata Morgana effect. And what ends up happening is that sometimes it, the illusion makes a ship that is beyond the limits of the naked eye reflect on the water, making us see a ship that was floating as if it were above the sea. Oh, that's interesting. How would that work in the desert? Um, well, because they say that it's uh, moisture and atmosphere condition. So technically, I mean, as, as dry as, a, like we say, dry as a desert, there still is moisture happening so if there's the right amount of moisture to atmospheric conditions it can kind of give that effect i gotcha i gotcha i'm not a scientist though you're not surprise i know we've gotten oh. this far <laughs> but that is the tale of the flying dutchman and those are some of my ghost ships i enjoyed your ghost ships so that's all i got I knew, for you kids i knew about um most of them only because I just watched like the well, Discovery that's the thing, Channel. and I didn't I didn't say it at the <laughs> beginning of my part, but actually, um, where I got my most information was all that's interesting, NPR, Marin, uh, Marine Travel Channel, SmithsonianMag.com, and History, the History Channel, and History.com. I feel like Josh Gates has covered most of those. I feel like he has and I actually watched a couple of specials and stuff and that's not to be confused at all with the movie Ghost Ship which oh. <laughs> if you haven't seen is really ridiculous and I'm pretty sure it was made on like half the budget it was supposed to be because they keep reusing the same scene of everybody dying by the same like piano chord or whatever that cuts everybody up on deck. I was just gonna say if you haven't seen it don't. <laughs> it's real ridiculous it came out in 2002. It is a supernatural horror film but it wasn't great. Watch 13 no. Ghosts. Mm, that's a good one. But that's that's the same idea. I mean, if you were to watch it, it's the same idea of any ghost ship because it's about a salvage crew finding the ship in the Bering Sea. Um, and this liner was lost more than 40 years ago. And aboard, they find the, the horrific scene and encounter all of these angry ghosts. It's... And eh. Yeah, and eh. That's all. Just eh. That's all I got. Ghost ships. Ghost ships. Hell yeah, ghost ships. Hell yeah, ghost ship. All right. So next episode we'll be hitting is season three, episode seven, Fresh Blood. We're hitting it. We're going to hit it. it. We're going we're gonna to tap that fresh blood. Whoa. Whoa. Hey. Whoa. Well, Liz, I know that Supernatural can say screw you now, but. I can't I can't say tap tap the fresh blood. Just kidding. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> oh please. Going to be over here now <laughs> with my dogs doing nothing. Okay. So yeah, that's going to be the next one. Episode 7. And this is our last episode before 2021. Oh my goodness. Is there anything you want to tell everybody, miss? Uh, I I wasn't prepared. <laughs> on the spot tell our fans um thank you thank you very much for for uh for listening for your support for being our friends uh i hope 2021 is better i hope that we get to do things 
I, I, I don't, I don't know. I hope everybody has a good new year. I, I like how you said that, like questioning, like <laughs> I'm going to judge you on your answer. I, I don't know. <laughs> As I like look around while I'm trying to say it. I, I mean, I was just going to tell everybody like, thank you guys. 2020 has been a goddamn roller coaster. Ugh. Um, as the new year approaches, obviously stay happy, stay healthy, and, you know, keep sharing us because you guys have made for whatever darkness 2020 has held, you guys have listened to us and you guys have grown us. And we're just so thankful. I mean, right now we have over 400 followers, which when we started this thing, we were just doing it for fun. And we've met some really awesome people. We literally thought it was just going to be just us. <laughs> we were real cool with like 50 followers. We were like, oh man, we got like 70 people listening to us now. This is crazy. Now we every day she sends, me, she sends me the numbers and I'm just like, what? And I do daily. Just <laughs> trust. So you know what, guys? Thank you so much. Have a very happy and however you celebrate it, fun new year. Let's bring in an awesome 2021. Let's. And guys, we will see you next episode. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy. If you want more, follow on Twitter and Instagram at SBNBallsPod or email SBNBallsPod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe and follow Balls on your favorite streaming service.